Welcome back to the Effort of Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe Yanez and I, we're back on the mic for our weekly episode where we dive into the questions you guys have. We get those through Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you hit us up. This way we can answer your questions about nutrition, about fitness. We love diving into them. This week, we talk about the best pre-training snack. We talk about can you bulk and also do cardio. We finish it off by good vibes equaling PRs, which I'm a huge advocate for. And then lastly, self-defense Sundays. I love self-defense Sundays. We talk about them in this episode. I hope you're enjoying these episodes of Gabe. I hope you're enjoying the other episodes we put out. If you are, simple ask. Nothing crazy. Take a screenshot, hit us up on social, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Definitely helps out the podcast, helps us out know what type of content you guys are looking for, and we'll continue to dive deeper in all kinds of subjects, pulling from our experience over all these years to hopefully add value for you. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Go back and listen to some other episodes. Let's keep training hard. Let's keep getting after it in the gym. Get after it outside the gym. And let's dive into a great episode with Mr. Gabe Yanez. Let's go. All right. We are officially live. Our, I shouldn't say – you and I are live. We're not broadcasting this live, but we're live. And uh, it is um, September 1st. This will be released next week. Today's Thursday. I am headed out on a plane here in about an hour or two to head to Las Vegas. I got in a cold plunge, got in some training this morning, and ready to rock and roll. How about you? Thursday is usually my day off, um, so just extra little bit of, of farm stuff. M- moved our cows. We've been lucky. We got a whole bunch of rain, so things are starting to get green again, uh, which is nice. So we had to move our herd, but um, yeah, not too eventful aside from random farm stuff. It's still weird to even talk about it. Um, never thought I'd be talking about moving a herd of cattle, but that's my morning. Dude, it's funny. I was, uh, I downloaded the first like, um, season or two of Yellowstone and Ash and I tried watching it before, but we couldn't, we couldn't do it. It was just making, making me too like anxious. Uh, and so then I started watching it on the Africa trip on, on the, the plane. Cause it's just, it was such a, I mean, dude, it was, you know, 40 hours of flying or whatever, or whatever it was. And so I started watching Yellowstone and I got through like the first season. And so, um, but when I was watching it, it just reminded me of you because like they're talking about moving herds and doing this type of stuff like you know uh like cowboy type stuff and i could just see you with your cowboy hat on herding all the cows getting ready to rock and roll so you gotta send us some more pictures of that kind of stuff by the way i will i will obviously we're doing it at a very different scale but um no it's fun man and it's finally you know it's the first time i've seen forecast of highs in the 80s in price since may so it's been it's nice we're finally over the hump here in, in Texas. Brutal, brutal summer. Dude. Well, I'm glad you guys have passed that. And um, yeah, obviously a lot going on over the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited for some of the training that I have going on, um, not only with the Rogue Invitational, but the Jiu-Jitsu tournament that I'm doing actually tomorrow, which, you know, like I said, if I perform well, I'll definitely talk about it. If I don't perform well, I might not talk about it as much, but I will, I will talk about lessons learned and the reason why I'm doing it. Um, I'll also be head out. I'm going to be working with um, some special forces units. I look forward to getting some feedback on, you know, kind of lessons that I'm learning from them. And so I'll report back on this podcast. So make sure you guys stay tuned for future episodes. Um, actually, every week for the next five weeks, I'll be on a plane meeting different people and I'll be sharing what I learned on this podcast. How are you feeling for, so obviously when this episode comes out, you'll have already competed. If people are following you on social media, I'm sure they'll they'll get some glimpse of of how it went. Um, if you were triumphant, uh, what you learned, so on and so forth. And obviously we'll talk about it on next week's podcast, but 
how are you feeling right now, day before going out to compete? And how does it compare to whatever the nerves or feeling was day before the CrossFit game started? Different, same? Yeah, it's so different. I'll tell you why it's different. The CrossFit games, I like, I was a professional athlete. I had a lot of like um, expectations on myself. And it was like, that's what you're doing. This is, I'm doing it purely for myself. Meaning like, there's no business, there's no money, there's no fame in it. Uh, sure, is this something we could talk about on podcasts and maybe you get a few people engaged about it? No, sure. But the, the reality, the, the, the reason why I'm doing this is 100% for me. And so because of that, the pressure is a little bit less in terms of performance. That's one side, right? But on the other side, in CrossFit, even though you didn't know necessarily the event at the CrossFit Games, all of them, you also knew that it was like you against yourself in each event. So it was like, let's just say the event was a swim event or whatever. It'll always come down to your training. And so if you trained well enough, if you prepared well enough, you should be able to perform well enough. In this case, you're kind of going to the belly of the beast, man. You're going, you're going on a mat and you're battling it out with an individual you know nothing about. You don't know anything about their skill sets. And you can't, um, you, you can't prepare necessarily for everything. And even though you want to, like for me, if I knew a workout, I could go into it and mentally prepare. Okay, I'm going to do this many sets, this many reps. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. In this case, like, hey, once the kombach goes, which is like a Brazilian term, it's like you're rocking and rolling. And part of that is nerve wracking and part of that is exciting because I've, I've wanted to, you know, the, the real reason why I'm excited about tomorrow is I want to know where I stack up, you know, with my division, with my weight class, with my everything, where do I stack compared to my peers? And tomorrow it'll be able to tell me. So yes, am I feeling a little bit nervous? Of course. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. It means that I care. And so I, I do care. I, I want to perform well. I'm not going out there just to for participation. That's not my intention. My intention has been to train and to win. Um, that all being said, through the process, I know I'm going to learn a lot about myself. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited, but I am nervous. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know how, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like baseball players are very superstitious. That's the word. I don't know how superstitious you are. So if this is like an an inappropriate question to ask, please just let me know and we'll, we'll table it for next time. But let's say theoretically, best case scenario, you win, right? Like you, like, and you win, like, you know, with, it's not close. Like you, you won, you went out there and you were the best man. What is next in your BJJ journey? If that's the case, like, is there, is there a different league? Is there a different, like, cause I know that what you're doing now is competing in the master's division. So obviously it's not the open division. Would that kind of be the next step is, is throwing your hat in the ring in your weight class, but now in the open division where there'll be some younger guys? No, I mean, this would be at, at my rank. So I'm a, so I'm a purple belt at, at purple belt for masters. This would be, this would be it for me. Uh, it, assuming I perform well and I should be highly likely to get my brown belt. And then at that point I'd start training for the same division, but at brown belt instead of purple belt. And so that's what I would, that's what I would train for. But that won't be for a while, man. I mean, it would, it would take me a, a while. So like, basically this is what I've been working towards, especially with COVID. I've been at purple belt for probably a little bit longer than maybe I should have just because COVID kind of threw some, some, you know, interesting things into it. And um, depending on how I do, obviously, you know, the, the, the here's the nice thing about jujitsu, man, is that like, I've been mentally and physically preparing for this now for a while. 
And the byproduct is that I'm getting better at jujitsu. So like, I'm going to have better self-defense. I'm going to have better jujitsu. And I'm going to be mentally stronger because of all these struggles I've been overcoming. So even if things don't go out the way I want, which would be unfortunate, I've still gained so much because I've been putting more time on the mat. I've been developing more because I had a goal in mind. So that goes for fitness too. Like if you have a fitness goal in mind, let's just say it's a 10K. And let's just say you go out there, you don't hit your time domain that you were focused on. But dude, all that training you did, you're sure as hell going to be better at that 10K today than you would have been six months ago had you not have set that goal up. So similar analogy. Got it. Yeah, I was curious because I know that, um, and you told me this, I know that in some competitions, the belt doesn't matter, right? Like you could be like Nikki Rod, who I know you you spoke to. Uh, he's not a black belt yet, right? Mm-mm. No, I mean. But he's fighting, the, the, the he's competing with the best of the best. I, I could be wrong on this, but his, so what happened with him is he was doing jujitsu for like a year or two. Then he competed in like the, the Olympics of jujitsu and he actually took second. When he did that, he was technically a blue belt. Um, I'm 99% sure he was a blue belt and he was still able to compete with the best in the world. And that's what made him, they call him the black belt slayer. Um, the belt system's kind of odd because in Nogi and in, in the modern era jujitsu, um, people kind of, it's, a, it's an open class. Like, dude, you could be a brown belt, you could be a black belt, you could be a blue belt. If you're winning and if you're performing well, you're all good. But then to actually get your belt, there's more to it than that. Let's just say one year in, you go and you smash all the black belts. You still won't get your black belt because it's more to that than, than it's more symbolic. Like you have to kind of put your dues in, you have to put your time in to get your black belt. So th- there's a lot to unpack there, but like from a legacy of jujitsu, even if you are crushing black belts, you won't get your black belt. It just doesn't work that way. It takes other things. I give Jason a hard time all the time because he loves talking about jujitsu. Obviously, he's super passionate about it. But I'm genuinely curious. I have some more questions. So you did a, a live with Savan and Nikki Rod. So for anyone that doesn't follow the sport, I'll kind of give my like outsider s- summary here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Nikki Rod is like you know up and coming young star out of Austin. He's going to be competing in like what is the Olympics for BJJ. Only happens every two years. And he will most likely meet up at some point. Well, he'll inevitably have to if he wants to win with Gordon Ryan, who is, you know, kind of like the, the, the villain in the sport, but also like, you know, pretty undisputed, like the best. Like no one's really been able to, to beat him, or at least not, not in the, in the recent, recent past. So a lot of hype going into that event. And, and you guys chatted for a while. I listened to the whole thing. I had my headphones in while I was working out. One question that I had, though, one thing that I thought was really interesting, because Nicky Rod talked a lot about how his edge, not edging, his edge in the sport. Yeah, I never heard of edging. I didn't know. I had it either. That was that was hilarious. Very interesting. Hilarious. By the way, for those people who don't listen to the podcast and are curious what edging is, I didn't know this. Edging is when a male competitor does not. uh, have an orgasm like week a week weeks leading up to an event. I didn't know it was called that, but basically, some people think you're like you're keeping the testosterone in. Anyways, back to uh, yeah, back to your question. <laughs> boosting boosting your energy levels. Interesting theory. Anyway, um, I thought it was interesting because he said that like what gives him an edge in the sport is his endurance, right? And he kept talking about how like it's an endurance game, 
And like the old school BJJ way of getting after it is like, you know, you're trying to find places where you can rest. You're trying to find places where you can like, you know, pace yourself. Whereas he really tries to go, you know, full gas pedal from the beginning, put the pressure on because he's that confident that he has the engine to sustain that. But what I thought was interesting is when he was breaking down what he does for training, it was very evident that he has no plan and no structure to his actual endurance training, right? Like obviously he is a master of his craft at jujitsu. He does a lot of drill. Like he, he, he probably has coaches and other experts around him that are giving him like a very specific game plan. He talked a lot about learning new movements, learning ways to get out of movements and really like drilling that. But I thought it was interesting. And I don't know if this is just because, you know, specific training for BJJ athletes is still relatively new, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, when it comes to building an engine, the thing that he says that is his differentiator in the sport, he's not doing, you know, very specific progressions. Like he's not working with a Hinshaw to get his engine better. He's literally just every night getting on the rower and, you know, kind of right. like just doing random sessions that are really hard. I thought that was interesting. And I guess the question is, have you found that there's a lot of opportunity for athletes to really kind of get that extra step by dialing in their training the same way they're dialing in their training on the mat? Yeah. I mean, this is a question that I get every day. And I, I tell you about this all the time. The most popular question I get on IGDMs is, what program do you have to help me with my, my sport specific? In, in jiu-jitsu in particular, because I talk a lot about jiu-jitsu. It's because there just isn't enough knowledge or, or uh, feedback, in particular the conditioning. So think about like these jiu-jitsu matches. They're 15 minutes, no-gi. So no-gi, basically like people get slippery. I mean, dude, it's like a, it's like a wrestling match for 15 minutes. And then if you, if you get to the finals, it's um, a 20-minute match and two 10-minute after like two 10 minute uh, rounds after that. I mean, dude, that's a long ass time. I mean, if you're on the mat with somebody for 15 to 30 minutes, it becomes a conditioning workout. And so, yeah, like things that I'm working with Mason, I'm actually gonna see him here in about half an hour, um, are very specific to conditioning, um, especially longer slow distance training, because I don't think that uh, jujitsu athletes get that training. And then from a conditioning perspective, like CrossFit style, we, we've been on like a, linear progression on on strength training which has been interesting to watch so the answer is i think there's a lot of room in the tank considering the fact that that was what he feels like is his differentiator yet he doesn't have any rhyme or reason on like how he's approaching that training yes i agree with you that was very interesting yeah it, it, and, and i remember just because it was especially interesting to me because you know coming from an endurance background and obviously not anywhere near as successful or long as like someone like Hinshaw, who I know you've had on the podcast as well. But, you know, when you're a runner, triathlete, swimmer, there's so much precision that goes into, you know, getting you better at these long distance events, right? Like, you know, you want to work on your aerobic threshold, but you also want to work on your anaerobic threshold. And there's very specific intervals and ways to, to improve those kind of in unison so that you can have what is quote unquote a better engine, because you're not going to get a better engine as quickly with a plan as you will, well, I'm just going to row for 40 minutes every night and go as hard as I can. Like, sure, right. that'll help, but there's a place to go long and slow, and there's a place to go short and fast, 
And then there's a, a, a place to go kind of in the middle and try and hold like moderate hard efforts for like medium amounts of time. So it was interesting that that type of thinking hasn't, or it, it doesn't seem like it's even, um, you know, started to, to trickle into the BJJ world where it seems like well, it's probably other world that would be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, think about like, think about CrossFit back in 2012, 13, 12, I started working with Chris Hinshaw and back in 2012, if you saw a workout written as whatever, you would just go out there and go perform at your best effort. You're just fuck. you're just cranking it. Then he comes in, he's like, nah, dude, like, I don't want you doing that. I need you to learn that pace. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Took a more calculated approach. All of a sudden my endurance went through the roof and it's because it just wasn't common practice then. Common practice was like, hey, if you see you know, a workout that's 10 400 meter runs, you're going all out every 400 and your times are probably gonna drop and you're gonna be whatever. Um, whereas I think in jiu-jitsu and other you know, aspects of, of um, fitness or training, I think there, there needs to spill over more of this education. So yeah, I mean, I, it's one of the things that's on my list that I wanna start doing more of. Um, to your point, Gabe, because it, there should be more of a plan to this than just like, hey, get on a rower, get on a bike, whatever, and just crank it. Do you think it's that the community is super close-minded to the fact that they should be spending their time anywhere but the mats? I think that they're becoming way more open to it because they're seeing the athletes that are performing well look good, feel good, right? And they're performing better because of that. Like um, Andre Gaval and... Um, uh, Gordon Ryan are having what's called a super fight at ACC. It's coming up like in two weeks. And Andre just posted on his social media him doing a bike and deadlift workout. Like he's not showing his rolling, he's showing that. And if you look at Gordon, they're putting up, a lot of these guys are starting to put up more fitness stuff because first off, they look jacked as hell. And secondly, I think it's different than their roles and maybe they don't want to show their competitors what they're working on or whatever. But I think more and more people are coming around to it for sure. How much of that is the fact that they're, you know, having more than just their Wheaties every day, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, it's a really good question about <laughs> jujitsu athletes and, and performance enhancing drugs. I don't feel qualified to speak on the, the, the subject because I just don't know enough about like the underbelly of jujitsu. If it's like a known fact that everybody's going to be doing it and they're all going to be on a level playing field because everybody's doing it. It's, I, I don't know. I have, I have, I'm, I'm going to ADCCs in two weeks and it's going to be something that I want to find out more about. Like how many of these guys are really on stuff based on people who really know and I'll report back. And, but I mean, the matter of the fact is there is no testing, right? There's no testing. I mean, I, so I, I'm, I can get why that's like a, a, a tough thing to maybe admit because there's this stigma, right? Of like, you know, performance enhancer. Like you always want to be a fan and compete in a clean sport, especially I feel like coming from the CrossFit space, you know, whether CrossFit athletes are using this stuff or not, and there's been a lot of pops recently. I know that, you know, we all like to believe that, you know, our favorite athletes are, are clean. So there, there's probably that stigma, but from an outsider to the BJJ world, at least looking in, I would say that, I mean, if you're not testing, why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's, it, and, and what's going to be an, is an unfair advantage is to the guys that are do, uh, that are already performing sure. really well because that stuff's expensive and getting your hands on it. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that. That's an interesting – it's an interesting topic, and we'll see what happens, right? But, you know, the, the thing about uh, jiu-jitsu is above all else, right, you could have conditioning, stamina, all that stuff, but 
technique, it, it definitely conquers. And so there's, there's a lot to be said about all the aspects. I think the recovery component in jiu-jitsu and in CrossFit is really the one that I'd be curious about what enhancing drugs are there. Because if you have a match and then you're going again in an hour, like, like for example, I'm competing tomorrow. I'm going at 214. And then assuming I win that, I'm going at 234. And then assuming I win that, I'm going at 254. And then assuming I win that, I'm going again 10 minutes later. And then assuming I win that, I, I go another 20 minutes later. And then assuming I do well on all that, I could go for the absolute division, which is any weight. And that's another five matches. So you figure if you're doing 10 matches that are each five minutes long, that are aggressive within X amount of hours of each other, conditioning uh, and, and recovery become a major factor. And how much would enhancing drugs help that? How much do you think it helps them? I, mean, I think it would help a lot. I, I've never experienced it, but I think it would help a lot. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think that the more, the more demanding a, a sport or a test is, I think obviously the more beneficial having an extra edge is, right? Like that's why EPO performance enhancing drugs is so common in the Tour de France. Like the Tour de France is a grueling test. And I think it's, it's gotten to the point too where for the fans, the course every year gets like, it, it's more elevation it's longer, it's picking like shittier roads, like it's, it's making it tougher. And, you know, if, if you want athletes to keep performing at that level, you're almost pushing them in the direction of just trying to find any way to, you know, either bend the rules or, or, or break them all together. Um, yeah. One can anyway. be said about the CrossFit Games too, right? I mean, dude, sure. look at the demands the CrossFit Games have on athletes. Sure. I mean, it's a lot. And it's not like you're going out there, you know, and I mean, you don't even know what to expect. I mean, so I imagine a lot of these guys are training hours and hours and hours a day. And so that, that recovery alone for that is, is key. So yeah, we'll see, man. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on the mic and talking about what happens next week. Um, you know, one thing's for sure, you know, there's, there's going to be maybe an arm, you know, uh, someone in there at home who's like, Hey, you know, let's just say next week, Oh, he didn't do as well as he, he thought I'm not talking smack. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go do the best I possibly can. But I, I just want everybody to recognize that like a big goal of mine is to is to be the guy who, you know, practice what you preach, get uncomfortable. And if we believe in effort over everything, this is a good example. Like go out there, put your best effort over anything else, see where it stacks. And uh, that's it. I'm ready to rock. Forget those, forget those people, man. Forget the keyboard warriors. I want to see a Jason Kalipa that talks a little bit more smack. That's what I want. I want Jason to just come in here. And just like ruffle feathers and talk some smack about how good he is. That's what I want. That's what oh, I want. Oh man, yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty strong <laughs> controversial guy, but uh, <laughs> uh, all right, all right, we'll pivot, pivot, pivot the conversation here. Pivot the conversation. Um, we we got some good questions that came in. Um, we put up the sticker on Instagram yesterday. Training and nutrition questions. Uh, there's a couple on the nutrition side that I think are really good questions that I I can definitely get into. But um, Jason, is there anything specific that you wanted to answer first or, or you want me to just dive in? Yeah, I mean, I think from a just a nutrition question, one of the questions was favorite pre and post food for jujitsu. Um, I'll, I'll kind of like caveat that by saying jujitsu, CrossFit, you name it. Um, I, first thing I think is if you are going to be competing, you shouldn't be changing anything like the day or two before. You know, like a lot of people say like, oh, what's your game day food? It's like, well, you know, if you haven't tested that in your stomach, if you haven't felt a certain way, you should be testing all that stuff long in advance. So basically from the day, like my, my, 
my nutrition today is going to be the same as my nutrition tomorrow because I want my body to feel comfortable with whatever that food is. And so I think anybody who's looking to compete in anything, if you do want to have something different on game day, make sure that you're, you, you're trying it out days, weeks in advance. In regards to foods that I like, I'm a big sucker for peanut butter and honey. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of like a perfect food bar. Um, they work really well for me. They give me nice energy with a little bit of sugar from the honey, a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, a little bit of sustained energy. So I like to have a little bit of a perfect food bar. This could be when I'm training at the gym. This could be at, before jujitsu. This could be any of that. And um, that's been very, very helpful for me is to have like a little piece of a perfect food bar or even just some honey and peanut butter mixed together. Really useful. So I decided to share that. Yeah, I think a lot of people end up changing everything come game day. And this has been true from, you know, from my triathlon days to CrossFit competition days, obviously not competing at, at your level, but a lot of people get caught up in like, well, I need to do this special thing today um, because I'm competing. And, and more often than not, it just ends up tripping you up more than anything. I think that, you know, keeping things the same is, is important. So that's a good answer there. Um, the one thing that I would, I would maybe add to that is if you're doing like the longer effort you're doing, like carbs, I think, especially in, in the CrossFit space, and maybe not so much recently have been vilified a little bit, I think. And I think that what you need to understand is come competition day, because this is true. Like if you're training, like I doubt that you're ever rolling the amount of, or at the intensity that you're going to tomorrow, right? Like that's unrealistic. Like you're not training five or 10, you said really tough five round rolls um, a lot when you're training. Or am I right? Not, not, not a lot, but I've been trying to put myself in those competitive settings. I, I've been trying, actually, it's, it's funny you mentioned this. Um, yesterday, I was telling a story about prior to CrossFit Games, one of the things that I would always do is I would show up to the gym at like 10 a.m. I would have nothing to eat. I would have four shots of espresso, nothing to eat. I would um, fatigue myself out on like a bike. I would turn on the music as loud as humanly possible, like overly aggressive. And I would see how I was able to perform a skilled task, like a, like a snatch. So what I was trying to do is I was trying to mentally and physically like overstimulate myself to see how I could perform. And um, that was helpful for me because when you get out into the CrossFit Games, there's so much stimulation. Your energy is so high. And so I tried to mimic that as much as possible in training. Same thing in jiu-jitsu. I didn't go out there and drink espresso and play loud music, but I tried to find athletes who are very competitive and go at it with them. But it's not going to be the same as being on the mat. Uh, it, it never will be, right? But I tried. Yeah, it's good to try and mimic game day, but you also can't do that sustainably, or you shouldn't no. do that sustainably. Um, no. Because there's a reason that competition is competition. It will wear you down. What I was going to say is you have to understand that come competition day, whether it's a CrossFit competition, whether it's a BJJ tournament, whether it's a triathlon, those are all on game day probably going to be longer, more intense efforts than anything you do in training and especially anything you do in training on a consistent basis. So going into that with that understanding, you should also be fueling appropriately. Not that you're changing your plan, but having a little bit more food on hand I think is 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 important because it's it's just an equation, right? Like you're expending this much more on game day, you should probably eat maybe not that much more so that it's even, but you should have a little bit on hand because you haven't gone to that level in your training. So that's where I would just add that caveat to the whole 
you know, don't change your game day nutrition. You might just need a little bit more. I wouldn't change what you're eating altogether, but knowing that you're going to need a little bit more fuel is just an important thing to keep in mind. I think. Yeah. Like for example, I'm bringing element with me, which is a, basically a, a sodium replacement tool. Um, I'm bringing that with me. I don't normally use that in general, but I know that my anxiousness is going to be high. I know I'm going to be burning a lot of calories just because of that. And I want to be able to have that extra, um, that extra salt if I need it. Um, so I will be having that in my water, which I mean, I, I, I drink it, you know, a couple times a week, but I don't regularly drink it. So this will, I'll be adding that in for tomorrow as well. Another question, a good question. I, I thought that was specific to the programs that we offer. Um, and obviously if you're not on the NC fit app or using the collective, you should, but someone asked bulking and muscle building while training NC compete, which is our competitors track. Is it too much cardio to bulk or add muscle? Um, and should they switch to flex? Um, and I thought that was a, a, a really good question. I'm curious your take on this, obviously. Um, because I, I, I think that it just comes down to the answer I gave a couple weeks ago when someone asked about, you know, wanting to be super jacked, but super good at jujitsu. I just think that, you know, excelling at the sport of fitness and being, you know, really muscular, necessarily putting muscle on, it's not that they're mutually exclusive goals. I just think that you need to understand that in order to be good at the sport of fitness, you're going to have to do a lot of training volume. And if you're doing a lot of training volume, it's going to be difficult to be in a caloric deficit. And if you're not in a caloric deficit, you just can't put on muscle. Like that's just the law of thermodynamics. You need more calories coming in than you're burning for your body to be able to actually grow. So I think that if, if, if that's the way you think about it, it comes down to picking like, hey, what season of the year am I in now? Am I in a season where I really care about the open and we're starting to get a little bit closer and I should really be following a program like Compete to get me prepared for that? Or is it super early in the season where, hey, you know, next year when the Open comes around, I want to look a little bit more jacked. I'd like to put on some muscle. So let me start a cycle on NC Flex and really work on my lifts and my bodybuilding, put on some muscle mass now, and then transition to compete, you know, when it's closer to game day. You know, one thing that I've been, I've been super, super focused on, you know, for my own goals too, but I think just how people should look at nutrition and specifically moving forward is how powerful periodizing your approach can be. Like yeah. you have to look further than a month ahead and not try and squeeze every single goal you have. Like we all want to be stronger, fitter, but also leaner and look a different way. But understanding that you can't get all four of those done in a month and that it would be really, really beneficial to focus on one goal for six months focus on another goal for six months. And then in a year, you literally look different and are so much fitter. And now you're that much more motivated to maybe hit the next goal. I think that that's, whenever people ask questions like that, I think that that's, that's what it comes down to. It just comes down to what stage in your training, nutrition, health goals are you at right now? Go all in on that and have a plan for kind of what's next. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I think for me, when I, I was talking to a gentleman the other day at our gym, and he was like, hey, I've been here for 12 years. My body looks, you know, looks similar-ish. I was like, yeah, but like, are you able to perform well? Are you able to go keep up with your kids? Are you able to go lift heavy weights? Like, this guy's like 60 years old, and he's probably in better shape than most people his age. Um, but he doesn't necessarily look overly jacked. I said, hey, look, if you want to look jacked, 
you're going to need to start doing some type of NC flex, some more, you know, uh, hypertrophy type training. If you want to be just fit to live freely and fully, if you want to be able to see strength gains and, um, and conditioning gains, our programs are great. We got to start looking at nutrition, of course, right? And that caloric deficit, the calories you're bringing in, what type of sleep you're getting, what type of alcohol you're drinking, all that kind of stuff plays a role. But I, I think you're, you're spot on, Gabe. For me, my goals don't necessarily change on the way I want to look, although I am trying to look super jacked for the Rogue Invitational at the end of January, uh, October. My goals typically train based on like a training goal. So like, for example, tomorrow I'm competing in Jiu-Jitsu, then I'll go two months hard CrossFit to, for performance goals. I'm not necessarily trying to look good, although I, I am a little bit. But I think that each person should just set up the kind of like this annual goal and say, hey, for this month, I'm going to do this. For these couple months, I'm going to do this. A little bit of tinkering here and there can make a big difference. And it also keeps you extremely motivated and having fun, which I think is, which I think is the key. You know, one of the other reasons why I'm competing is because it's, it's kept me super motivated to get in and do jiu-jitsu. And it's just a byproduct. So, you know, set up a goal and then go after it. Yeah, I think that that's also like a, a really understated benefit of kind of periodizing your approach to both nutrition and training, like the motivation factor. Like if year round, you're like, I need to perform better in the open. And you're just like beating yourself into the ground with, you know, barn burner workouts and like maximum effort and like stressed about like, you know, your frame getting faster and your scores getting better. It's the recipe for burnout, right? Like the benefits, even if you're like, like your big overarching goal is to get better at the sport of fitness, I would argue that spending three to four months of every year, just trying to do some bodybuilding work, just trying to put on muscle, like a little bit less stress when you go into training could be beneficial for that end goal, just because now you're not doing it year round. Because I know that at also, least yeah, it's yeah. for me, like I'm never going to take four months off of training, right? Yeah. Like I'm never going to stop going out there and working out. But that's why I think it's so beneficial to say, hey, for this time period, I'm going to work out with this goal that's different than the goal that I'm going to do after because it just keeps things fresh, man. It keeps things like a different approach to training, keeps everything new because the last thing you want to do is kind of walk into the gym like resentful or feeling like a chore, feeling like, oh, I got to get this done. You should be walking every day like excited to do what you're about to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know Frazier had a similar approach after he was done with the games. I think if I'm not mistaken, he like didn't do a Metcon, like a conditioning workout for like a couple of months, I believe. And like for me, I split up my goals based on what I was getting ready for. So I would train a certain weight for the open. Then I would train a certain weight for the regionals. Then I train a certain weight for the, for the games. And then I would train a certain weight for Team USA. And that was the way I kind of segmented it up, which they're all different goals, right? The open, you know, it's going to be these type of workouts. And I focus solely on that. Then the regionals, I focus only on that. That was a different approach, but I like what you're saying. Um, which brings us to, there was a question that came in, and it was about how often you're throttling. I think we can answer that pretty quickly. Um, how, how do you pace workouts 100% every time or movement depending? Um, I mean, look, I'd like to say that I pace workouts well, but I'm probably not the right. I, I, I kind of go at it pretty hard. Uh, after meeting Chris Hinshaw, it definitely taught me to pace more effectively. Um, but it depends on the movement. Like if I'm, and it depends on the time domain. If it's a five minute workout, I'm approaching it a lot different than if it's a 15, 20, 30 minute workout. And, you know, so the way I would like to approach things, if it's an AMRAP, I like to hit the first round at about 80% effort. I like to look at the clock and I like to hold that for the next X amount of minutes and see 
how much I could keep that same time. So let's just say it's, you know, each round takes me two minutes. I want to see if it's a 20 minute AMRAP. Did I get 10 rounds? And that tells me a good idea of like how my pacing was. Was that too fast, too slow, et cetera? If you fall off your pace dramatically, maybe you went out too fast. If you didn't, if you went further than your first round, maybe you start off too slow. So I'd say it, it is definitely movement dependent on how hard I pace my workouts, but I probably throttle more than maybe I should. And I, I think I could benefit more from more pacing is a piece of that. Man, I, yeah, I was never a good pacer. Anyone that is, is, is listening that may have ever done a workout with me or, or went to the gym that I used to go to, they, they, they'll remember. It was always pedal to the metal and then try and hold on. That's it. Hold on for dear life. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Dude, and you know what? You learn a lot in the process. I mean, this question is, what kind of intensity should you be training at in a typical training week at five to six sessions? You know, I think definitely uh, you should be hitting different time domains. You should be looking at, you know, kind of shorter, uh, more anaerobic and a little bit longer aerobic type, you know, efforts. So that's anywhere from five minutes to, you know, 50 minutes, let's just say. And if you're looking at that, I think from a training intensity perspective, I'd say probably, at least for me, um, probably two of those sessions would be like pretty intense. Like when you finish, you're like, oh man, you're like straight up done. And then the other like three, three to four would be like, like tough. That, that, that's kind of where I would be at. Um, maybe, maybe two to three would be like, you're, you're, you're sitting down. And then the other three, you're like, that was tough. And then maybe once a week, it's like, oh, that was good. That was good. That was a good flow workout. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think it also, you know, depends again on, on where you're at, how old you are. You know, there's definitely an age where you can get after it maybe a little bit more often than, um, than, than later in life. I think this is a really good question that, that I, I'd love to get your opinion on. And then I, I have my own thoughts. But, you know, a lot of athletes, I feel like, always get to a point where they hit a plateau. Um, and the question specifically is, you know, what's, what's the best thing to do when you do hit a, a, a training plateau is, is diet more important or is it in training? Um, so I'm curious your answer on, on the training side. I, I wonder is, so if it's a plateau with the way you look, obviously I think that's going to be significantly factored in with nutrition. If it's plateau in, in the way you perform, I think you got, might need to take a step back and start asking yourself some questions like how is my technique? How is my strategy leading into the workout? I think there's a lot more to plateauing than what meets the eye. So let's just say you're looking at like you're, you're a CrossFitter and you want to go to the CrossFit Games, but you feel like your friend isn't getting faster. Your, your workouts aren't getting that much better. Your lifts aren't really moving. I think you need to take a deep breath and say, okay, let's talk about this. Am I just recruiting poor motor uh, patterns on my clean and jerk and my snatch? Do I need to take a step back to take 10 steps forward? If I've been stuck at a 225 snatch for six months, chances are more than likely you, 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 you need to improve either A, your positions or B, your prerequisite strength in the overhead squat or your pulling position. But I'd say more than likely, it's probably going to be your mechanical positions. So if you've been reinforcing poor mechanics that whole time, of course you're gonna plateau. What you might need to do is take down to a barbell reinforce good positions and then get back onto that bar and i guarantee you'll continue to move up so i think plateauing happens when you've been reinforcing poor positions for a long period of time and now you have hit the limits of your muscular capability and you need to then 
enhance your uh, technical capability. If that, I think that's a good way to describe it. In addition, if you're taking workouts that are like, I don't know, a, a CrossFit typical workout, couplet, triplet, whatever, and you're finding that compared to your peers, you're not really performing as well anymore. I think A, you might be overtraining, right? That could be a factor. You might be doing too much too often and you don't really, you're just beat up. Or B, you're, you're looking at the workout through the wrong lens. You might not be pacing it effectively. You might not be breathing effectively. Both of these things can be really huge factors in your time and how well you perform. So you might need to kind of look at the workout and take different approaches. Maybe you normally do wall balls unbroken, but today you're going to go 10, quick drop, 10, quick drop, 10, quick drop, and see how those start to help you with your performances. Those are just a couple ideas right off the top of my head. I, I think that's all really, really good advice. But I also think that a lot of people, and I remember this, this kind of happened to me, and I think it's really common in our space. I think that it's, it's less about hitting plateaus and more just like your progress is going to slow down. Like it yeah. is. I think so many people get caught up in, I remember when I first started, you know, doing any sort of like lifting and this kind of training, you know, like you, you, it's tough not to peel. Like you come in every day and you're like, man, like I'm getting faster. I'm getting stronger. It's like every time you test better, better, better. But then there's a point where that's just like no longer going to happen as fast. It doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to happen. And now you need to change up your training, change up your diet, like so on and so forth. It just means that, hey, maybe you have to wait more than just a month in between testing your back squat for it to get any bigger now. You know, like it just, there's going to be a point where you're getting diminishing returns on your training. It comes back to that rule of, you know, it's going to be 20% effort that gets you 80% of the way and then 80% effort that gets you that last 20% of the way. And then I think that it's, it's easy to be impatient, especially when in the beginning you're just like rocking and rolling, you're getting stronger, you're getting fitter, your clothes is fitting different. Yep. But you're always going to get to a point where that slows down and it's less about like, hey, I'm at a plateau. What do I do? And more about just like having the patience and understanding that, you know, your back squat isn't going to get five pounds bigger every single time you test it in perpetuity for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, something else to consider. I was telling this to one of our athletes here at the gym. So I was working up to a heavy snatch a couple of days ago, just, just vibing, just like, just heavy snatch. I was like, all right, like. All good. And, um, and dude, like I was feeling good. The energy was right in the room. I was, I was feeling good. I just kind of worked up to a heavy snatch with no misses and moving well was the goal. I wanted to look good. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to perform well. That's it. And it's interesting because we got one of our athletes, her name's Margo. She PR'd her snatch too. And she wasn't like meant to PR her snatch that day. She wasn't on some type of like linear progression to snatch that day. She just was feeling good. And I was feeling good and the vibe was right and boom, she hits it. And so I think what's also important for athletes to recognize is that if you are finding that maybe you're on a very rigid program, at times a rigid program has its blessings and has its curses because if you're on a rigid program, there's some days you might be feeling good, go for it. There's other days you might not be feeling as good. And if you try and set a new PR that day, that's a great way for you to feel like you're plateauing when maybe you were just fatigued that day, you weren't feeling it. So if you're feeling good, rock it. If you're not feeling good, I would just take a step back, tell your coach, be like, hey, today I want to work up to 75% because I just don't feel like it's in at me today. But maybe the next day you're like, dude, I'm, I'm feeling great. Let's, let's go. So something else to, to factor in that I, I just want to share with you guys. Yeah, especially when it came to the lifts, man. I mean, I remember when I was training, like the vibes in the room 
are like, dude, if you can bottle that up and sell that as a pre-workout, you would be a billionaire. You'd be a billionaire. Like for me, dude, we were throwing on, I mean, there was like some Drake on, you know, uh, there was no member. There was really no members. There was only a few members in the gym, like in another room. So it was like the non-explicit. It was the, it was the explicit version. And so like Drake's going. We have like ten of our coaches there. And dude, it was just it was great, man. Like I I hit um so I worked up um and I was hitting I hit two twenty five like pretty pretty smooth. But I was hitting it. I was feeling so good. I was like I hit a double. I was like boom, boom, boom. I hit another one. I was just like because right, it just it felt right. It felt good. And then I just stopped for that day. And then I'll, I'll, I'll look to, you know, do it again this upcoming week. I hope this is what we clip for social right here. Just Jason vibing off of Drake. That's how he hits PRs. Bro, give me, you know what, man? <laughs> when, when, uh, when Miranda, Garrett, myself, others were in the gym and do, when we were coming in for a lifting day, it was always Drake day. Lifting day was Drake day. And we'd put on like, you know, start it from the bottom or whatever it is. And boom, you're hitting these lifts. Oh man, but you had to have it loud. You had to have it aggressive and you had to set the tone. You can't do that every day, all day, but you got to know when you want to ramp it up and when you want to ramp it back down. Hell yeah. No, I love that, man. Probably brings you back too to those days of, of you know, having those monsters around you and, and all the motiva motivation that, that, that comes with that. Bro, it's, it, it was really good. We had our whole team. We could talk about this on another podcast. I know we're kind of going in, but like we had the whole team there, man. We just invited the staff. We had like maybe not the whole team, but we had like maybe 10 of our coaches there and it was just great. You know, you just had 10 of your coaches at the gym throwing down no agenda, just getting after hard work and putting in effort. And, um, dude, it was just, it was contagious. It was awesome. That's awesome. Cool, man. Well, I think that that's, that's a good amount of questions for this one. Um, we'll probably put the sticker up on social again. I, I love answering these questions. So if you, if, if you guys have anything, Jason's face tells me that he just read something that he needs to address. No, 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 no. If you're watching the video, you can just uh, see when Jason is reading something off screen. Oh my gosh. The guy's well, there, not discreet at all. Um, there is a question. I mean, this is not this is not a big deal. There well, there's a lot of good questions in here that I actually want to get to at some point. But one of the questions was, do your do your kids train in jiu-jitsu? I think it's a good way for me to kind of share my perspective. Um, the answer is kind of yes and no. And so Yes, they do, because it's a prerequisite in our family to have that self-defense component. However, because both of our children play traditional sports like volleyball and, and baseball, and they're really prioritizing that, um, I pick and choose my battles. So for me, um, every like this is my go-to as of recently, is that um, Ava and I work out in the garage at 6 a.m. She's religious about that. Um, Caden doesn't like to wake up that early. So he'll come home from school and do a workout, sometimes with me, sometimes on his own. So those are their workouts. But then in addition to that, Ava has volleyball, Caden has soft, uh, baseball, excuse me. But every weekend, because I have a little bit more time because I'm not working as much on the weekends, we have self-defense Sundays. And what this has been happening is that it's just compounding. It's like we, I talked about on a, actually a Coffee Clipa recently. It's just this compounding interest. So every Sunday, every Saturday, we do um, self-defense Saturday or self-defense Sunday, where I spend about an hour or two training the kids in stand-up and jujitsu. So that's where we're at right now. Um, my goal would be to get them into more group classes, but it just isn't a priority for them right now. So I'm kind of meeting them where they're at and, and I'm training them in the garage. But I do believe jujitsu for kids specifically, uh, well, for both young girls and boys is, is very, very valuable. Love that. All right, man. Self-defense Saturday and Sunday. You'll be doing it in a couple of years, bro. Probably.
Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, guys, hey, if you've been listening to shows, if you're enjoying the Kafaklipa, these EOE shows with Gabe, we got some guests. Dude, we have a, we have a guest episode coming out with a, a gentleman, Alan, who's going to be, you guys are going to love this one. Talks about kicking people in the face. It's, it's just an incredible episode. I really appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you guys haven't checked out the NC Fit app, if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective and you're a gym owner, I really think you're missing out on something special. And if you're enjoying these conversations, what would really help the podcast out is just leaving us a rating, leave us a review. It lets us know what you're looking for and it helps the podcast. So keep training hard, keep getting after it. Gabe Giannis, thank you for your time and uh, see you guys again next week.